You are listening to the Photobomb podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. It's been a tough week. Has it been a tough week? And a happy new year to you, sir. And a happy new year. Yeah, happy. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it's been a tough week. Okay. Uh, the world has mourned. There's a specific event that has happened recently that across all social media platforms, yes. people are posting, people are talking about it, people are just bereft. Yes. Bereft. Yes. B- bereft they're, of they're, joy. Bereft of joy. Yes. Thank you. They are. Yes. They are just devastated. There's only one event I can think of that would have been more devastating. And okay, I, but but go ahead. So, you know, I think there are things that people almost universally agree on, and, yes. and you know, when, when talking about people who they love and admire, and and franchises and brands and stuff, they're just these universal these people, these things that are universal, and, and people love them. And then when that goes away, when that dies. I think that people are sad, and so, and we need to sort of vocalize that. And I've seen a lot of people talking about this week on social media, and of course, I'm talking about the death of the Matrix franchise. Yes, yes, I'm talking. About it was the death horrible. Of the Matrix franchise. Horrible the way they killed the Matrix. <laughs> horrible. Just okay. We're going to talk about the Matrix thing, but but to be tr- to be fair, uh, to be fair, as few people, fair. a few people will get that reference. Uh, Betty White. You know, Betty White, but mm-hmm. you know, but it's one of those things where you go, she was 99, you know, I know this is, a, I've been, I've been so irritated by this. Like, oh, first of all, first of all, like it's just become, first of all, Betty White's clearly incredible, oh, you know, like, like fantastic. just, uh, she worked for most of those 99 years and, and all universally beloved. Nobody has anything bad to say about her, but like it, it all, it, she's just, it's become like trendy to like betty white yes yes and 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 when i said there's only one thing that would be worse it's because it's even more trendy to like dolly parton if dolly parton oh, died yes. it would be it would be even more than if betty white died people well, would go nuts. well in my house where we are actually big dolly fans, sure i mean my, if you're not a dolly fan then screw you i don't know what's wrong with but you but like i'm talking about the people not who engage with the the work of betty white right because pe- a lot of people feel very connected to you know the things that she uh she made there was uh the golden girls and hot in cleveland and then the people who are very old yes you know people who, like me who remember, remember her on mary tyler moore mary tyler moore show yeah so you know she's been just part of multiple generations but that's the thing i believe that she's just become almost a a, a meme and to to so many people, and they're the ones that are like, no, devastated, boo. It's like, first of all, I would be like so thrilled if I could make it to ninety nine. Yes, and and kicking butt the whole way. Yes, and, and, like people, it's a tragedy. But that's why everyone feels soon. that way. You know, it's because she did make it to ninety nine, kicking butt the whole way. You know, by by, by another side, and then there's John Madden, right? Who also yes. passed away this weekend, and that was a big deal. But you haven't heard from John in a while, whereas you still heard from Betty White all the time, right? So that makes it worse. But when you think about it, losing, if John Madden had died while he was still in the booth, it would have been like a national day of mourning in America. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah here's a guy who, when his contact lenses yeah. are in, boom, he, he sees better. <laughs> what you got to do is get the turducken. 
the turducken. Well, John, although, you know, for the younger generation, John Madden's most famous for the video games. Yeah, there's a whole generation that's just knowing mostly for that, probably. People who buy that game every time it comes out, there are those people who have who buy every version of that that video game who've never seen John Madden actually right. do his job in the booth. Well, here's what's funny is that you say John Madden do his job in the booth, and then I saw like a giant billboard outside the, the game, the Green Bay game last night, and it showed him with his headset on, you know, you know John Madden and, and, his, and the dates and everything, and I thought, this guy won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. What do you have to do in your life in your second chapter to make it so that the Super Bowl that you won becomes a non people don't even talk about the fact that you won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that and yeah. I mean what a second half of his life. He, well, he was always a second half player. Yes, to, yes, to over to overshadow the fact that he won a Super Bowl and he's in the he's in the NFL Hall of Fame. Although I don't I mean he's in the, is he in the NFL Hall of Fame for both of those things together, I guess for his whole career. I don't know, but when you think about it, it's pretty incredible that he he is better known for things than Winning a Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I mean yeah. that's usually like sort of the pinnacle. That's of it. Your, you win a Super Bowl. That's yeah. it. You yeah. walked on the moon, and now we'll see you later. Other other Super Bowl winners who who in the who became more famous later on, or at least had a second chapter that became relevant to a new generation in a different way, would be like Pat Summerall, John Madden's longtime broadcasting partner. He was a he won he held the record for ages for the longest game winning field goal. And he was a kicker, Pat Summerall. See, I and, didn't even know that. Yeah, he did that. See, I didn't in, even know that. I just and, thought Pat Summerall was a... Was and a, and this is the, what a gent John Madden was. Every time they would do a Super Bowl, John Madden would have the, the guys trot out the footage, like the black and white reel-to-reel right. footage of Pat Summerall kicking his, his game-winning field goal. And uh, he, he had like that old timey music, like you know, yeah, very vaudeville. Yeah, it was all like vaudeville music, like uh, it was an accordion. Or, anyway, I didn't know that. I did, yeah. I did not know that. That's the fact. There's not very many times I get to trot, yeah. trot out an old fact, and you don't know it. That's that fantastic. is yeah. So Betty White. So Betty right. White. Anyway, R.I.P. John Madden. I watched that guy do his thing as a broadcaster, and he's just always a delight to watch. And uh, whether he was making a gaffe or giving some insight of the game or drawing circles once they had that technology around right. the butt sweat of the Dallas Cowboys offensive line to see who had the sweatiest bum in the Super yeah. Bowl. John he, was, he was the best color man ever in football. He, re- he, was, uh, he, was a, he was a delight and an American treasure, and he will be missed. Now, Betty White, the thing I wanted to say was this. It's not a tragedy to live 25 years past the average life expectancy and healthy almost the entire time. Right. So, you know, I, it's good innings. I think it's, uh, it's, it's amazing what she did. I think people are just sort of bummed out that she was a couple of weeks shy of turning 100. And, you know, eh, you know time is a construct. Let's just, uh, let's just agree she's a great, a grand old lady. Yeah, but, but and, it would have been nice. I mean, she's, been, she's always been here, and, you know, you hate to see that happen. But if she had made it past 100 and she died two weeks after her 100th birthday, people would have said, oh, she just turned 100. Right. She had a lot, you know, like, it's, there's nothing. When somebody dies, it's just an all-around tragedy, no matter how old sure. they are. And we say, you know, well, they had a long life or whatever. Like, most people have a long and miserable life. Betty White seemed to have a really long joy-filled successful life at least to the general public's you know uh, perspective so uh but yeah she's uh she's gone she'll be missed and uh and in 50 years nobody will remember who she is anyway next uh i have i have something uh, okay about Do new it. years okay i witnessed something new year's eve on the rock and eve or whatever journey came out 
Mm-hmm. Without Steve Perry, of course. Did they have the Filipino guy? Whatever. Yeah, his name they had the new the new guy. New guy. He's been with them for like thirteen years. The new right, guy. the new guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's about right. It's probably about right. Yeah, like twice as long as, as, as Steve yeah. Perry was he, even in the band. So yeah, he has officially passed the amount of time yeah. Steve Perry was. A yeah, singer he's like Perry. he's now like the middle aged Filipino guy who sings for Journey. But pe- and, but they still call him new guy, the new guy and it guy, really yeah. pisses him off. And uh, and but here's the thing. But here's the thing about Journey. Um, the real heart of Journey was never Steve Perry. He wasn't even the first singer in Journey. Right. Nor was he the last. There's been like four now. Uh, the real heart is Neil Sean. Neil Sean, mm-hmm. the lead guitar player. He's responsible for the sound. He co-writes most of the songs. He is the Eddie Van Halen of that band. And he is still up there on stage with him performing. So there's, you know, there's the argument to be made that as long as Neil Sean is in the band, it is Journey. You know, that's the you know. Although if he dies, it'll be a tragedy and have happened right. too soon. Yeah. They came out and sang. And, and uh, by the way, that guy's a great singer. But uh, let me the just say guy. this. This has led once again to a proclamation. If you are a band playing a song on stage that was recorded in the last century, you must sing it as close to the original as possible. Yes, I, I concur. That's, like, that's my oh. thing. That's my, if we go to see Aerosmith and you're going to play Walk This Way... I want it to sound exactly the way I heard it on the record when I was 12. Right. Okay. So I, this is a perfect example. Yesterday I was cooking dinner and I put on, I got a new for uh, Christmas. Santa brought me a, a Bose or a Beats pill, which is a little Bluetooth speaker. And we're using it as kind of like a sound bar for the TV. And then I take it outside when the kids are playing. Anyway, so I had that in the kitchen. I was listening to some music. And what popped up in suggestions in my Apple Music feed was Blues Traveler 2.0. So it's a little EP with their three most popular songs. It's uh, Run Around, Hook, and uh, the other the other one. And, it's but Run anyway. Around and the other two that no one remembers. <laughs> Run Around, Hook, and But Anyway. Uh, okay. And and those are all three incredible songs. In fact, I think But Anyway is is the best of the three, funny enough. But um, it's called 2.0 because they re-recorded them. And the two of them are largely identical to the original. But the most famous song, Run Around, he changed it. John Popper sings it so differently. No. I was... I was disgusted. No. I was stop disgusted. Stop it. Just stop it. We get that you're tired of singing the song. Yeah. I saw Dionne Warwick. I interviewed Dionne Warwick, uh, met her, lovely, came in the studio with her little cardigan sweater and, and her little reading glasses like somebody's grandma and came in and interviewed Dionne Warwick. She was a delight. And then she gave me tickets to go see her show. So I go to see her show. And then in the second part of the show, she decides that now she's going to do all of her, you know, old hits from the 60s, you know, Walk On By and, and so forth. Walk on but by. she currently is living in the Caribbean and she's gotten this thing for the Caribbean music. So she talks uh. a little bit. And, ta- and so she's changed them around to make them more of a Caribbean. But no, I want to hear it the way it sounded on the radio. Oh. Please just do it. The- just do it. And if you're and if you're a guy like guy who sings in Journey. You got that job because you sound like Steve Perry. So just do it like you're a, a tribute band. Just do it like you're a tribute band. Can you please just sing Wheel in the Sky so it sounds like the way Steve Perry sang it? Would you stop putting your own artistic feeling and, and talent we get, into we this? Get that, we get that you are tired of it. We get that mm-hmm. you sing it all the time. We get that. But, but we don't we, care. Yeah, we don't care. We paid good money, or in this case, didn't. And we would like, we would like you to sing it the same way. Don't change the recipe is what I'm saying. Yeah, don't change yeah. the recipe. Fun fact, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to photograph Jonathan Kane, who was a keyboard player for Journey. 
Okay. And yeah, and he wrote the intro to Don't Stop Believing, the piano ding, ding, right. ding. And, and he also wrote Faithfully, the whole song front to back was written. Yes, which people think is a Steve Perry wrote that for his wife. No. Jonathan Cain wrote that he was, song. Jonathan Cain, yeah. Probably for Steve Perry's wife, but Jonathan Cain yes. <laughs> wrote that song. And uh, uh, yeah, so he is married to Paula White, who's Paula White Cain, who was, no longer is, I don't think, the head of Donald Trump's Religious Advisory Council, which is basically how when Donald Trump goes to the religious right, and he goes, how do I make these people like me? And so she's the head of that. And uh, she was great to work with, by the way, very nice. And uh, and Jonathan Cain came in, and they we, I photographed him together. And um, Guy's a photographer, and he was more interested in looking around at my lights and talking photography than anything else. It was actually it was actually pretty neat. But uh, so they, yeah, that was uh, anyway. Anyway, uh, they have they are both now. She's the head of a giant church here in Orlando, and they they run that together. And he leads the music, and she's the preacher. And so they have a weekly TV show where they they talk about Jesus and stuff, I guess. And uh, guess what that weekly TV show is called? Uh, wheel in the sky. Mm, close, don't stop no. believing. Oh, that would be good, but I don't think he has. <laughs> yeah, don't stop believing seems please. like a natural. Like that's the underlying tenet of the entire church is please don't stop believing. Yeah, also also kind of threatening. <laughs> yeah, you know? don't stop instead of believe it's like don't stop believing. I'll don't kill you. you. Dare stop believing. Don't you dare stop believing. You know what happens if you stop believing. I have a certain set of skills. And if you stop believing. And one of those skills is damning you to eternity in hell. Yeah. So uh, the the show show is called. Also rocking. Rocking. (laughs) What's the name of the show? Faithfully. Faithfully. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because he wrote it. Sure, he gets to pull it up. Also, it's a way for him to constantly remind people that he wrote it and it wasn't written by Steve Perry. Yeah, fair. Yeah. So okay. I had a wedding, by the way. I had a wedding this weekend. Oh, yeah, your uh, New Year's Eve wedding. This New Year's Eve wedding. You got to go um, shoot it uh, after the COVID exposure. Well, we're going, well, you know, we're, we got to go to Imaging USA in two weeks. And um, and I am, let's see, I was in, everyone in my house got COVID the first round, except me. I have a really high immune system. And then I've been vaccinated, double shot with Moderna, and I've been boosted. And so I went to this wedding and people were like, are you worried? And I'm like, no, I would like to get Omicron at this oh, wedding. Yes. Yes, <laughs> because, because I know if I get Omicron, it's going to be like a head cold for me. And then, you know, and then it's over. And I go to Imaging USA having been immunized to everything you could be immunized well, to. Well, that's the know? thing is I read, a, I read an article in, in, a, in a medical journal that was republished by the Wall Street Journal. It was talking about super immunity where people who, who get a breakthrough infection after having a booster shot, but breakthrough Omicron infection, there's evidence to suggest that they develop a super immunity. Right. That's what to I'm COVID-19. shooting for. Who doesn't, who doesn't want to be super immune? Right? I'm so that's ready. what I'm going for. So, so I'm like, uh, no mask at the party. I'm like tongue kissing everybody. So I'm just trying to get this, which, by the way, is normal behavior for me. It has nothing. Yeah, to do I was going to say that's how COVID. you do things all the time. That's just the way I work. I, that's how I roll. If you hire me, deal with it. So, um, so I'm trying to get COVID. I feel great, by the way. You know, I, it, I you know, damn. <sighs> You know, damn vaccinations are stopping me from getting the COVID. Uh, you you and your iron so, immune system. Trying so just... hard to get it. Uh, so, but anyway, at this wedding, um, I had to do the ring shots. So I get the rings, do the ring shots. The groom's ring, I've never seen this before, was a size 15. I'm not sure if that's big. Is that big? Let me, let me hold my finger up to give you an idea of how big a round it was. You're... About this big a round. 
Okay. Let me let, let me put it this way: it's a ring that would easily fit on an appendage other than your fingers. <laughs> That's how big a round it is. Okay. I would say right. probably for the average guy or even above average, it would fit. <laughs> That's I, th- how big it was. This is the calculus I'm doing in my head right now. I'm holding up my finger, right, and then right. imagining other parts of my yes, head right. being like, like me, oh, I her guess ring. It is. Her ring had a huge stone on it. And it still fit completely inside his ring, even with the giant rock on top of it. It still wow. dropped completely inside his so ring. So for those of you out there for more familiar with, with sizes of jewelry, unlike myself, yeah, I think if I Yeah, were, I have a big I have big hands and I'm probably a size eleven ring. Okay. I think my ring is a size like nine. Yeah. Nine, it's nine or 15. ten. It's a, it's without a doubt the largest ring I have ever so seen. So it's half it. again as big as mine. Yes. Wow. Like like many things in the world, Gary. Half again, as big as yours. So it's 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 almost like clockwork. It's it's like a yes. law of the universe. But also, I had another story. Okay. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I told a story about me almost embarrassing myself horribly at a wedding with the fingers in the hand. So I'm talking to my friend who's a dish jockey. I work with a lot. I was working this wedding with him. I've worked for Memphis with him, and I was telling him this story. And he goes, oh, that happened to me. Something like that happened to me. I said, what happened? So at Bar Mitzvahs, they have this thing called a candle lighting ceremony where they have uh, 13 candles and the uh, kid comes out and they read a little, usually it's a poem, uh, it rhymes for each candle and they invite those people up to light their candle. You know, you know, my Aunt Glu- Judy, she's the best. You know, we go so far hard and never rest, uh, you know, and blah, 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 blah. Aunt Judy, please come up and sign this thing. Don't even go there where I know that sounded weird. Uh, but I, I had to, rest was all I could come up with. So, uh, so, uh, so they all come up. You know, it starts off with like, just like mom and dad and blah, blah, blah. And then the last candle is usually like all their friends. And he's like, he goes, I saw this dish jockey I, I like who's doing a bar mitzvah. And he would really like, when people would come up to light the candles, he'd be like, yeah, Aunt Judy, come on up. Let's give a big hand for Aunt Judy. Come on up. He goes, so I decided to do that. So the first candle, the kid's like, Aunt, Aunt, you know, this is for Aunt Judy. And I'm like, uh-huh. Aunt Judy, come on up. And you see this coming. He's like, come on up, Aunt Judy. And they're like, no, no, this is a memory candle. Aunt Judy's dead. Oh, <laughs> good. And he's like, come on, put your hands together for Aunt Judy. Let's get her up here. Where's Aunt Judy? In spirit. Let's get her up here in Let's spirit. Let's get her up here. In spirit. Aunt Judy's dead, dude. That was the memory candle. So he's like, never again. Never again do I say a word. Now when they do, because I do a lot of these with him, he doesn't speak at all during the candle lighting. Another another perfect example of why getting good information uh, from your clients ahead of a wedding can Mm. really, really save your bacon. So let's talk about the big news this week. We have launched registration for Inside Yes. 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 And yes. uh, let me just jump right, right. Let me just uh, bury the lead right now and tell you, you better sign up now yes. because we're halfway sold out already. And in the first two days, we sold out 50%. I just, yeah, I just, I just got an email from somebody this morning who's booking and is just trying to work out their flight details yeah. and wanted some advice. And so, yeah, it is happening. It has been, registration has been open for 48 hours and we're halfway sold out. So right. uh, if it, Inside Out, it's our workshop, March 28th. We're teaching, Bure and I are both splitting a day teaching you guys it's small it's only 30 spots and it's going to be everything i do lighting and posing in the studio and boo is going to teach on location yes off camera flash how to work in any situation and it's going to be just two full-time working photographers teaching how to take pictures of 
everyday folks. It's not going to be a bunch of supermodels. It's just going to be us showing you what we do on a day-to-day basis to deliver great work to our clients. And, it, and it's not going to be uh, sitting and watching a PowerPoint presentation. Heck no. It's like, you know, when you come with... It's going to be two PowerPoint presentations back to back. We hit the ground running. It's like, okay, first, let's talk about the gear. And I'm going to talk about all the gear that I use. And then I'm going to talk about my system for how I approach the shot, how I set up my camera and why I set it up there. I'm going to give you a quick and easy way to set up your camera that will work in almost every situation. Uh, and then, bam, models, live models. We're going to shoot in harsh sun. We're going to shoot in shade. We're going to shoot in every situation we can find, all live. All being done right there, and only fifteen people. So all the questions answered. Yeah, fifteen people per class. Per class. So fifteen and everybody people with takes me, both classes. Fifteen people with Gary, and then at, at midday we switch, and those fifteen people come to the other person. Yeah, it's a fun concept. And then there's a second day optional all day business workshop that's going to take place in my studio, and it's going to be awesome. The venue is so cool. It's a beautiful cool chic little trendy hotel right in the middle of downtown orlando everything's walking distance and so anyway inside out if you want to get the all the information and to book your spot do it quickly i have begun the email campaign and as soon as i started emails out people started booking the traffic on the website is getting huge it takes you know nothing to go ahead and book this and so let's go the website is shootinsideout.com just go to shootinsideout.com and save your spot we opened this up to the bombardiers 24 hours early mm-hmm. and it almost, we almost sold half just doing that. Yep. And the bombardiers group on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups, bombardiers lounge, that group has, I mean, a small, a percent, a, a tiny percentage of people in it compared to people listening to this podcast right now. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so the podcast and your emails going out, now have opened it up to I don't know a hundred times as many people as as are in as as heard about it when we sold out half of it. Yeah. So don't delay. When I mean, it sounds like we're just like, oh we're trying to get no. We're, I'm telling you, it's going to sell out and it might sell out in the next week. I did so. want I did want to say something though about this though because there are concerns about travel and let's talk about um, in general. Let's take a couple minutes to talk about Imaging USA, which is coming up, and we'll talk about just conferences and, and, and COVID and how and how all that's being handled. I think that one of the questions that we get that we're getting is what we're doing about COVID and, and travel and stuff like that. And so here's the basic gist of it. We're doing a couple of things to, to make sure that everything goes off all right. If we so far, every, all the money being taken in for the workshop is being set aside into a separate account until after the workshop is over. And that way, if someone gets sick at the last second and can't come, or a flight gets canceled, there's going to be no danger. If there's some kind of legitimate emergency, you know, uh, we're not going to keep your money. And I think that that's important for people to know. If you just wait until two days before and decide, eh, screw it, I don't feel like going, you took a spot from somebody else, and so we're keeping your money. But if you have a legit... Now, if you have a legit emergency, like there's no there's no risk here. Right now, flights are difficult. Lots of flights are getting canceled. By the time that, oh, from what I'm reading, from what experts are saying about Omicron surge right now, by the time March 28th comes around, things are going to look a lot better and easier. Oh, as far uh, as they're going to look concerned. great. Uh, Africa's and, they're looking at Africa's trending, and I'm telling you, before January is out. Our numbers are going to be way down. Yeah, so uh, I, I, that's going to bring flights back. It's going to bring a lot of stuff. It's going to make things a little bit easier. So it, book the workshop, save your spot, and then you know know that if there's something that makes it impossible for you to come, 
that we're not going to be spending your money on Blu-ray's cocaine habit. Yeah, but listen, don't book it just because you're like, uh, yeah, but don't book it because you're like, I don't know if I can make it or not, but I'm going to go ahead and book it. Don't do that because you're going to take a spot away from somebody. Right. True. Yeah, but if but if you if you're concerned or whatever, I'm just letting you know that if we have to cancel the workshop, everyone gets their money back. That's correct. If so, if something happens, we're not. Yeah, the money is being set aside outside of our regular operating budget and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Now uh, we're going to talk. So go check that out. Shootinsideout.com. We would love for it to be just a pant load of bombardiers rather than you know just a bunch of randos from the rather internet. than so, uncool people. Rather than uncool people, we yeah. want the bombardiers to come and and hang out with us for a couple of days. So make sure that you do that now. Imaging USA is coming up. Right. Are you are you excited about Imaging USA? Well, I'm always excited about Imaging USA. I get to see everybody. You know, I get to see you. You know, mm. and uh, it's In always person. fun. But listen, I have a I have what may be an unpopular opinion. Okay. Regarding COVID at this point. Okay. Let me let me let me say this. The southern governors, like mm-hmm. our governor, Ron DeSantis, mm-hmm. I think that they are doing the right thing, but it's for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. I agree with what they're doing, but it's for the wrong reason. For example, they're like no max man no, no mass mandates, no vaccine mandates, uh, you know, because people need to have free choice and blah blah blah. Okay, that's the wrong reason for doing that. You know, we life is going to be back to normal. We're going to conduct our life. You know, we, we're not going to be held hostage. Okay, that that reasoning I don't agree with, but I do agree with this reason. At this point, it's been two years, and so at this point, I'm like, I'm living my life because I've done everything I'm supposed to do. And if you don't want to do that stuff and risk your life, that's on you. My empathy has run out. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty close. My empathy has just run out at this point. If you want to keep doing that, if that's who you are, if that's what you want to do, fine. But I'm going. I'm shooting my wedding. I'm going to Imaging USA. I've been vaccinated. I've been boosted. I'm I'm in good. I'm good. If I get sick, I'm not going to go to the hospital, guys. You know. So okay. So I'm going on, and I'm not. And I am tired of the world waiting on you to get your s together and get vaccinated. You know. No. If that's your that's your. I I think it's sad that you didn't do it. And and but that's on you. And if that's what you want to do, fine. And hopefully it won't kill you or someone you love. Yeah, that's the the, the only thing that I concern. I'm not concerned. My family and I are all in low risk categories. Everybody's vaccinated. We wear masks. We choose to do outside activities as much as possible. You know, we obey whatever requests businesses make, you know, as far as wearing a mask and stuff. Oh, like that. I do I've, too. Oh, don't go. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I have no problem with any of that stuff. And I see people in a couple of Facebook groups complaining at Imaging USA about there being masks. I'm like, Imaging USA doesn't have control over that. That's no. like the area that they're in and the hotel. They don't, Imaging USA doesn't get to go, we're not wearing masks if we no. book this conference here. That's, it's, it's not under their power. It's just not in their power to do it. So just keep that in mind. But like my main concern is I'm not vulnerable my family's not vulnerable, but there are people who are. And so we want to try and be respectful as much as we can to those people. At this point, I do believe that we're looking at endemic status and everybody is going to have gotten this at some point, like everybody will get the flu at some point. And that's fine. But to reach endemic status, our numbers have to get down to a certain point and our ability to accept the risk that and the impact that that virus imposes on society as a whole has to be you know we have to be able to accept that impact at whatever level it settles at and it will get there but it's going to get there a lot faster 
if we just stop being such jerks about it. But at this point, I just I'm like, yeah, you do you um, and roll the dice. Don't expect me to cry if you. Right. You know, I, and, never. And, and let me let me because now I feel bad because what you said is true. I also feel for the people who can't get the vaccine because of uh, medical status and people who are mm-hmm. vulnerable, people who are older. Absolutely. Which is why I think everybody should be getting the vaccine is if, if for no other reason than for those people, you should all be getting the vaccine. But at the same time, we can't just keep yelling, spitting in the wind forever with these people. If they're not going to do it, they're not going to do it. You I, know, I got a buddy of mine who said, he goes, at this point, you're not going to change anybody's mind. And I'm like, you're probably right. Their own experience will change their mind. You know, I had a client. Right. The only in. thing that's going to change their mind is if their mother dies. And even then, it might not do it. Fair. Yeah. I mean, you know, she made her choice. Freedom. She died for her freedom. Whatever. You're dumb if you think that, but that's fine. I had a woman come into my studio last week and she lost her mother and her stepfather and her best friend. You know, like boom, boom, boom. Friend of mine, and, friend of mine lost his father and um, his mother's partner. Uh, my wife's best friend lost her mother. So, one year anniversary of, of her dying uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, she's still not over it. I mean, it's it's just How devastating to her. Hmm? How could you be over it? Like it's especially if it was preventable. Well, they her her father and her mother both went in the hospital uh, up north, and then her father came out two days later, and her mother never came out, and she couldn't even go visit her. You know, she yeah, couldn't go see it's her. Just and brutal. they were very close. And so, I mean, just you see all that. You know, well, why wouldn't you get vaccinated? I think we <laughs> tend to sometimes get inside of a headspace, and this is understandable. This is we're built this way, and so I, I understand. This being your baseline, because, you know, you, you can't, this is how people are. If something hasn't slammed you in the face, there are so many things going on in the world that you're not aware of until you see it. I remember the first time I went to a, what at the time we called a third world country, now we call them a developing nation, an emerging economy. I went to Haiti when I was 16, and I saw, I saw real poverty for the first time in my life. And that just changed it like it burned uh, all the synapses across a part of my brain or something. And it's just there forever. Like you don't see something until it's right in your face. And so I get the baseline that you don't know what you don't know. I understand that, you know, and, 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 and so, but I feel like that at this point, there's enough information, good, solid information out there for us to be able to realize that it doesn't have to happen in your immediate family for you to start taking things a little more seriously and not even a lot seriously like we're doing stuff we're going places we're just not angry about it we're just doing what we think is best for our family and for our community and so like just because something you know hasn't happened to your family it's such a common thing when it's like okay fine my kid died of cancer so now i start a cancer charity it's like kids right. been dying of cancer for hundreds of years and you just now care about it because it happened to your kid and oh that's normal i'm not saying that's a bad thing but like that's just how we're wired. So right. for a second, for a second, if you just take a deep breath and look around, try to view the world from a slightly different angle, through a different lens, as it were, and realize that just because you don't see it right in front of your face, just because it hasn't affected you immediately, it doesn't mean that it's not a real thing that has affected a lot of other people. And so just take that with a grain of salt. And if that's, apply that information to you. And so if you're going to like go into a McDonald's and harass somebody making $9 an hour about wearing a mask inside the restaurant. Just think for a second that we're all just a bunch of folks doing our best. And I think a little more patience and a little more tolerance, a little more kindness, a little more empathy would do us all a bit of good. And so coming into Imaging USA, they are going to have 
a mask mandate at this hotel. It's going to happen, and it's not the conference. But I am not going to let the mild irritation of having to wear a mask walking around stop me from seeing my friends and photo family that I haven't seen in a couple of years. I am psyched. I'm excited. And frankly, I'm pretty, I'm pretty glad that, they're, that the conference is take, has to take it seriously so that people can feel safe going. And by the way, the registration numbers are at the highest in, I think, a decade. Oh, really? Yes, they have. They had as last time I I spoke to the direct, director of education at PPA in preparing for this event, which they they're in contact with all of the speakers ahead of time just to let them know what's going on. They had more pre registrations than they've had I think since 1999 or 2003 or something. Like it's just it's just been it's just insane how many people are well ready people are ready to, to get this. out. Yes, <laughs> you know people are ready to get out. And when you want to get out, the best place to get out is a uh, Washington, D.C. in January. <laughs> yes, 33 <laughs> degrees right now and snowing. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I, I, I'm excited. Uh, so, you know, obviously there's COVID stuff. My advice is this. We got now 30 testing kits at my house. So we're, I'm testing twice a week to make sure that I'm good so they don't give it to anybody else. I'm bringing testing kits with me to the conference, you know, so I can make sure that I'm not going to infect anybody else. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do my very best not to be a human flamethrower and cause somebody's grandmother to die. You can't control microbes that much, but you can at least put a little effort in and to be a responsible citizen. So I'm going to do that, but I'm going to go and I'm going to have an awesome time. And so I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think a lot of people are, are at there too. I don't, I don't imagine there being any problems. I think people are just ready to be together and it's fair saying. And by the way, when you get to the restaurant or to the bar and you sit down, you order a drink, you can take your mask off. So like, just calm, everybody calm down. It's fine. Like the best, the best thing that's going to happen to us is that zero people are going to get the flu from Imaging USA for the first time in a hundred years because everybody's going to wear a mask. I've gotten the flu three times at conferences in the last 10 years and it's the worst. I had something happen. I had a YouTube comment this week and I wanted to, Ooh, bounce, this I love comment. These. I wanted to bounce this comment off you and see if I've just been crazy. And yeah, perhaps this have. person is, is correct. Long, long thing, you know, talking about where that why they didn't like my video. But the last thing that he said was, by the way, depth of field concerns are moot and of no concern for a professional photographer. Oh, thank God for that. I, I had no I had no idea, Gary. I'm so relieved. I'm so I'm so relieved. <laughs> I've been worrying about things being in focus for my entire career and oh. now come to find out they are of no concern. It's it seems like the last fifteen years have just been I've been so stressed out for no reason. I know, you know? right? Depth of field is no concern for a professional photographer. So if you shoot at one point two or F twenty two Doesn't matter. No difference. Makes no difference at all in your photos. It's of no concern. And now it's possible what he what what the person meant was not to say that you don't it doesn't matter what the depth of field was, but to say that a professional photographer doesn't have to worry about APS-C versus full frame depth of field, etc., because they can compensate for it using maybe that's what the person meant. But just the blanket statement that depth of field concerns is moot and of no concern for a professional photographer is ridiculous. Well, it's very hard in my head when I read a YouTube comment. I have two voices that I ascribe to people there's like a, just an avatar for the for the obnoxious commenter and an avatar for the for the earnest kind commenter and right. there are only two people who comment on my YouTube videos the earnest guy and then the 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 nasty guy and I, I, if you get out of your head a little bit when reading the comments cuz YouTube I think is the ugliest social media platform maybe Twitter but YouTube is pretty you ugly think so? 
Oh, it's very uh, people. Oh, I think just... Twitter. Twitter by far. Okay, so let's say YouTube is the second ugliest social media platform because okay. people just feel empowered to just trash you and to get angry when they watch something really that happened they don't to me. Agree with. I don't oh. really get. I mean, that's right there is like the, a bad comment for me. That right there. I, mean, uh, I don't really a, get. You've trashed. had you've had a few a couple, ones. but yeah. but of the of the thousands of comments I've had, you know. Again, if you you got to stay relatively safe, but there are people out there. Like, go ahead if, if once you get in mass, like you get to somebody with like a hundred thousand yeah. followers, and right. you just go, and it's it's just brutal. And when John Grass, who's a friend of the show and and a listener of the podcast. And oh, he I did remember his video it, yeah. about Godox being disposable, which is kind of clickbaity, but he had some good points. We talked about it on the show. The comment, man, people just ripped him apart personally. They ripped apart his work, which is stupid because his work is amazing. I mean, just, people are just ready to get nasty at the drop of a hat. If I don't agree with a video, I usually don't comment or anything. You know, I just, that was right. dumb, and I move on to the next thing. But so, anyway, my point being, is that I also find that a lot of people who comment on my videos, English isn't their first language. And right. so, and tone is incredibly hard to convey in text. And so I have to just sort of remind myself to give the commenter the benefit of the doubt because it's the only way emotionally that I can survive the YouTube comment section. When someone challenges something that you say or makes a broad sweeping statement, it's like, I will pull a Boure Perry and I will think like I would think that you would think it's like, okay, I'm going to take that on board and I'm going to try and turn it around into a positive thing and that right. I learned something. And so, you know, like one of my first YouTube videos, I had a music bed that was definitely too loud for what it was, but I didn't know. I didn't know that you got to keep the music bed at certain decibels and the, and the law and the, and the vo vocals at certain decibels and that this ratio is better than others and when to duck the audio. And I didn't know any of that stuff. I was just trying to make an interesting video and all caps, some guy was like, the music is incredibly loud, blah, blah, blah. And it was like my second video I'd ever posted. Right. And I was like, and, but at the same time, you know, 45 videos later or 50, however many I've had over the last year, I go back to it and I'm like, he was absolutely right. If I take my emotional response to his all caps obnoxiousness out of it, it's like, he was right. The music bed was too loud. So try to, I'm trying to just put myself in a position where this guy isn't a complete obnoxious moron. Um, well, also, the other things that he pointed out, almost everything he pointed out in the uh, the video as being a point that I should have made was a point that I made. Like, I actually started to make a, a rebuttal where I just put that time codes of, of he was like, well, you, you, know, you know, you didn't say this. And I'm like, here's the timestamp of exactly when I did say that. <laughs> but then I was like, no, no, there's no point in engaging in that. The amount of people who don't actually watch the video, like you'll, yes. you'll say something. And then disagree. come in and rail. And I, I respond to the comment only it's like, I have a, a copy and paste. Did you watch the whole thing? Yeah, that's, that's, I think that may be what I, I was like. I, I'm not sure you watched the whole video. Yeah, My yeah. other favorite thing is when you know there's a mistake in the video and you pin a comment at the top that says, hey, guys, I know there's this mistake in the video and blah, blah, blah. And then people still like a year later or two years later will still be like, oh, you made this mistake. It's like, like okay, it was like two years ago. To, when you try to say Massachusetts. Yes. I pinned, yes, I pinned it. It's right there at the top of the video. You have the thing, you know, like, well, oh, you know, like, like you're gonna be like, what? There's a problem two years later. I didn't even know until you mentioned it. Thank you, kind sir. I, I got to though, to be fair, in this one particular instance, I, I rarely read the pinned comment before I watch the video. Yeah. yeah. If I want to go into the comments, I, I would then read the, read if, the if, pinned if, comment. If I was going to make a comment that said, you know, your music was too loud or something like that, I would read the pinned comment before I did it. Yeah, but tone is so hard to convey in comments. I feel like I would go out of my way 
to make sure I was being friendly, which I wouldn't do in person. Because right. if it was in person, I'd be like, sounds like the music bed's a bit too loud, but the tone of my voice would let you know that I'm friendly. Right. But in this case, there's no tone. So I would go like, hey, great video, just a pointer. I'm an audio so-and-so, and the you know the music bed should be around minus 29 decibels or whatever yeah, see, i wouldn't do that anyway i just don't I, i'm like like you said if i watch a video I'm, I'm like whatever there's a million videos on youtube i'm not i'm not gonna go i'm not the type of person them. to do that but if yeah, i were if you were if i yeah. felt compelled to give a pointer to somebody who was clearly new which i wouldn't but if i did i feel like i would you just to try to get out there bombardiers be friendly try to convey as much tone as you can in your comments because man the people i i'm working on a new youtube video about the iphone 13 mini and it's going to come out today or tomorrow and i have spent 12 hours on this video trying to just make it my my thing is now instead of trying to put out a video every week i'm going to try and put out one video every month and i want it to be really nicely polished because it's just i'm learning the craft right and so when you work so hard on a thing and then the first thing somebody comes in and goes you misspelled uh, decision right. in your in in your in yeah. one of the titles. And you're like, you said Massachusetts. You said Massachusetts. I'm like, just you know what? Shut up. It is very very time consuming, and it takes a lot of effort and thought to make an interesting and good video. A 10 minute video is about 10 11 hours worth of editing. Yeah, see, for- but I see my way of combating that is to not put any time and effort I know into you my don't videos. but that's your thing and and my thing is not that so yeah, like I, I don't would, that way that way I don't get so upset that I worked so hard on this thing that you're trashing I'm like I didn't work hard on that at all so I don't care if you trash it at all <laughs> that's my that's, that's my general by the way also my general life plan yes uh, and yeah. you have three times as many youtube subscribers <laughs> as I do <laughs> Just well, my wife, cool. you know, my wife does a lot of stuff, you know, because she has an online boutique and she has a lot of online sales. And my wife is the one who convinced me to do that. She was like, she's like, Bray, I'm telling you, people do not care about the professional look of your video. They really don't care. If no, spend, they don't. If until you spend a lot of time. It, but for you, it's a, you personally have right, that. I'm, I'm learning you, you a new skill excel, set. You, you just, you know, you have a high standard that you set for yourself. And I think that's great. Your videos look like professional you know, done videos and my videos look like exactly what they are. A guy sitting at his desk with a webcam running. Right, right. You know? yeah, but but at the same time, my goal is to learn a new skill. I said, I'm going to take this this downtime right. of the pandemic to learn a new skill. And so I, I've, I've been learning how to make videos and how to edit them properly and, and all that stuff. And I've added a lot to my skill set. And what that has done for me is I do, I think we just crossed 4,000 subscribers, which is pretty cool. I'm pretty happy with that. And, and uh, but I've also... I mean. You've got like 12,000. And I think, yeah, yeah. And I think I have, we've added now video. I'm taking on video jobs from clients because I know how to do it now. And so it is added to my income in my business, which has been really cool. So that's been a really neat thing that we've added, you know, and uh, we're going to kind of launch that as we go. But if I hadn't, you know, taken the time to to make all these YouTube videos, it take taking a skill, learning a new skill takes time. And I've had fun doing it, but. You know, maybe I'll just do webcam videos like you from now. Okay, on. it's time for the thing. Let's do the thing. It's time for photography news. Photography, photography news. news. All right, uh, photography news. Uh, a little, 
But a little sparse, which is why we went so long in the other segment. Uh, we weren't worried about it because there's not a whole lot of photography news this week because it's, you know, the, it's holiday. the first week. It's the holiday, so you know the major manufacturers don't announce major things. No. I uh, checked all the photography week. news websites, and 90% of it was this is on sale, that's on sale, yeah, <laughs> this is on sale. Year in, best of, the, best of for the year. Yeah, it's like everybody's that. phoning it in right now in the photography world, so let's just, you know, we got I got a few interesting stories, though, but what do you got? I, well, I want to start off with uh, news from the world of Leica. Okay. Yeah, Hail Leica. Uh, because Hail Leica. Hail and, Leica. And so this is kind of like a news, kind of not. There's this guy. He's a designer. He goes by the name Pandas Pandas. Well, of course he does. And uh, apparently, I guess this is a thing you can pandas? do. where Okay. You, yeah, Pandas Pandas. First, first, words, first time spelled different than the second time. Is that like Tora Tora? I have no idea, but it's Pandas Pandas. Okay, girls. And now we've said his name three times on the show, which is three times more than we should have said it. Okay. So he, so you can design a Lego kit and submit it to the folks at Lego, and if and I guess if you're lucky, then Lego might come along and actually make this kit. So he has designed a Lego kit that is a copy of the Leica 3F, which is their iconic rangefinder from the 1950s. Uh, it's beautiful. It's got a hundred and how many parts has it got? I think it's got like 500 parts in it or something like that. And he's submitting this. It has 586 different pieces. And he is submitting this to Lego with the idea that they would maybe make this as a kit. And the best part is, you know what it's going to cost? Six thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it was coming. It was coming. Six. Six thousand dollars. That's very reasonable. Hell, like that's very reasonable. No, it's actually probably like forty-five dollars or something like that. that but, you know, uh, I, I might actually get that. That would that'd be the only like I could afford. By the way. <laughs> Yeah, that that's that might would be like that. Unlike the coffee mug thing, that one might be a, pres- a Christmas present that would be like, okay, yeah, yeah I'll put I'm this behind together. this guy's effort, and maybe it would start other cameras because camera enthusiasts would love to get the Lego versions of the cameras that they use. Yes. Don't you think? Oh yeah, if they made a if they made a Lego version of you know, but the problem with that is then you you move on and you get another camera, and now it's like, well, that camera is just a camera I use. I for think a while. it's better than see, here. See, here's the upside to that. Instead of keeping your old camera for posterity, sell it when it's at its highest value, and just make sure you have the Lego version of just it to remind Lego you of the kit. camera that you had. Yeah, or take a or take a picture of your camera. There's an idea uh, with with the camera. I don't know how you do that, Bure. That sounds impossible. Yeah. So moving yeah. on, Canon news. <laughs> oh, well, Canon has uh, Canon rumors and is reported, and F Stoppers has picked this up that uh, there's some new patents for some interesting Canon lenses. So let me tell you about these, Fure, and you tell me if any of these jump out at you. A 24-millimeter 1.4. 24-millimeter? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. This for is for the frame, RF. For a full-frame user, sure. This is RF lenses. This is, I think, uh, a really cool focal length for creators. I think that creators and video videographers will like this. It's good street photography travel lens. That's nice. And 1.4? That's a fast lens, so that's really good uh, for a lot of reasons. A 50mm 1.4. Now, I think this is really promising because right now you can get the 50mm uh, 1.2, and it's very expensive, and 1.2 is completely unnecessary for me, but I'd like a 50mm lens, and a 1.4 RF prime lens would be really cool and probably a bit less expensive than a 1.2, so that would be cool to see that come out. Any interest in 50mm? Well, I have one. Which is going to be, by the way, going to lead us into the next story. Uh, no, not so much. I mean, if you're a prime shooter, sure, because that's uh, if you're using an APS-C, 50 millimeters is your portrait lens, right? Because right. it's a 75 millimeter equivalent. Uh, but if you're not, if you're using full frame, I don't know that 50 millimeters is really all that practical. 
Hmm. I mean, you want 24, 35, you want 85, 75, but 50 is kind of... Lots you know of people love shooting with that 50. That's, I mean, I know with the... EF but I think they love 50. shooting with that 50 because it's all they have. I yeah. think they would love a 75 more or a 24. Yeah, well, I'm sure we could start a few raging debates on yeah. 50 millimeter as a as a portrait length, but I, I, I know that that is popular, which is why they're making a 1.4 version. Here's the one that I find the most interesting, is the RF 135 millimeter f1.4 so this is a 135 1.4 now canon one of their most popular you know uh prime lenses that is beloved is the ef 135 f2 and that's been that's been a big favorite for a lot of people um and it works great as a portrait lens it's you know it's just a neat lens that a lot of people like for various reasons um but that's it hasn't been updated in a long time and so um, the RF version could come out and it could be a 1.4 instead of an F2. Uh, I, I don't necessarily pine for these incredibly wide apertures, but I, I know that a lot of people really like to shoot that way. And so I think that could be that could be a hit. It's not going to be cheap at, uh, to do a 135, 1.4, but uh, it should be a cool lens. So anyway, just a little, you know, uh, don't stop stopping lens update from Canon. I'll tell you what I might pine for a little bit. And I, I'm looking for more details on this story. Uh, and I can't find them, but I saw this in my feed, and then I found one little thing about it, and it is that Viltrox is rumored to be launching a 13 millimeter f 1.4 lens for the X mount system, and, and this, for the, and for the Sony E mount. Okay, so on the X mount system, you're talking about an ASP lens. You're talking about yeah. So a 13 millimeter lens would be a 24 millimeter f 1.4. Yeah, that's, that'd be a great focal length for a yeah. lot of things. But I can't and and I'm and I'm afraid to death because the last story I can find on this was September and they said it might be as early as November. So now I'm thinking, have they already launched this and I just don't know or even I've, I've talked about it and I can't uh, wait wait Viltrox AF 23 millimeter no that's 23. See I can't find it anywhere. Uh, so that would be a yes, that would be a big deal. Give me a a 13 millimeter for my APS-C at 1.4, and now we're talking low light heaven for wide shots of your dance floor or scenic yeah, vistas or or landscape photography and that sort of that'd stuff. That'd be a fun lens to do DPDs with. That'd be really and cool. you know it'll be like 400 bucks. Which leads me to the other thing on Viltrox that I wanted to talk about, which um, they've also got a new EFTE lens adapter that is coming out, which has its own OLED display on it. Yeah, I don't understand this. Yeah, it has, it has a display on top of it. So now if you want to take a Canon EF lens and you want to mount it onto a Sony, you can use this adapter. And this adapter actually has a display on top of it, which will show you what millimeter your lens is at, what your uh, what your um, aperture is now? You, now, presumably, you have this information available in your Again, camera. Again, thank you. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is like, oh, did you forget? But not what necessarily. Your like, if you, your lens was, if you look, if you look down on a Sony camera that you has this adapter, the Sony looking down on it does not have this information displayed. Well, that's fair because I know that if you get the R five, it has a top. Info, a top screen with information the r6 does right, not right but the sony you know? the sony does not nor does my uh my fuji now my fuji's got the hard dials but i don't use the hard dials i'm usually using the the, the dials under my fingers so looking down on my camera i cannot tell i mean i can look at the the, the lens and see what my what my aperture is because i find a, that to be incredibly uh, a disadvantage because you know a, a top-down screen is so sick and useful especially if you're shooting an event and it's and it's at night and you don't have backlit buttons like that thing, just be able to, you know, look down at what look down and get the basic settings, see what you're adjusting is is incredibly useful. 
Right. Well, the wrap up on this is the idea that like I got the story about Filtrox and then I've got a Filtrox lens and it's a good lens. And now there's the other thing about the adapter. And then I, they've got a new roadmap out where they're saying that they're going to be producing like eight or nine new uh, lenses in the next two or three years. Uh, six autofocus lenses for the Nikon Z mount system, for example. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, are we witnessing a shift where we've talked about Sigma has gotten to be so good now? that they are rivaling the native lenses that come with kits. Mm. And we're also hearing, seeing Tamron making some surge into Sigma's territory. So is, is Sigma the new native mount and Tamron is the new Sigma and Viltrox is going to be the new Tamron? I think, that's, you know, do we, I, I think they've just got somebody coming into the marketplace. When a new lens manufacturer or camera manufacturer pops up, if they're going to survive... They're going to spend some time in the penalty box, you know, as like the crappy one before. Nobody comes out and then is on top. Took Sony almost 10 years to get to where they are in the position that they're at, you know, when they started really working on making professional cameras. And so um, that's, I think, Viltrox, just like Tamron and Sigma, you know, people are always, I think, going to be biased towards the the first party lenses from their sure. manufacturer. I know I am, like... But uh, and so I have uh, too, and, and maybe for no good reason. It's very possible that the the that the third party lenses could be completely wonderful, and I'm just missing out and spending too much money. I, I agree. That's that's right. highly likely, if not possible, that they're fine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, sig this, the amount of specs Sigma's gained, but it's taken a decade. So Viltrox might be moving into that. You know, starting to get known for being an acceptable lower cost alternative that is reliable. It's just the reliability of them and the service is going to see whether they hang around. What I'm trying to figure out is why. Um, because I understand that components and cameras have gotten, you know, better and better and better because that's computational. But lenses are just glass. And why is it that now suddenly there are companies coming along that are producing pretty decent lenses at a half, the, half the price? What, what has glass gotten cheaper, or is it just the fact that these are Chinese companies and that labor is production costs? Is so little low? column A, little column B. I th I don't think we're using glass. I think you know a lot of them are are plastic or, or like you know high. <laughs> I think the lenses are glass. The outside is not. Sometimes they're using plastic on, for the lens for the lens body instead of metal. I'm sure that's saving money. Yeah, I, I, but Viltrox does it. Viltrox's lenses are metal. I just I just don't know enough about it to be honest with you. I think that you know. It's their their ability to stay in the marketplace is is it, it has to be tested long term. People like have to be able to. There has to be this word of right. mouth going around where people are like, yeah, I've had it for a couple of years, and you know what? It's just as sharp as the whatever lens that I had before. So, yeah, they're here. It seems like they're not going anywhere. So you know, wish them success, man. People need lower cost alternatives. Lenses are ridiculously expensive. Except I will say that if you buy that Viltrox lens, if you start to make money with it or get more serious about your photography. You know, or I want to expand your gear. You're just gonna, you're just gonna buy a better lens. You know what I mean? You're gonna buy that better lens eventually, anyway. There's nobody at the top is using a Viltrox lens. Nobody who's leading in the profession is using Viltrox lens, um, except for Blu-ray. And <laughs> well, I, you know, well, I'm not using mine actually because the focal length on it is not that useful to me. Right. I don't need, I don't need 1.4 at 75 millimeter full right. frame. Yeah. So but this one. Yeah, when I when I most of the time when I need one point four one point eight, it's I need for wide. I'm mm. when, it's when I'm shooting the room, right? Know? Because when it doesn't matter, you're shooting so wide. The depth, the depth yeah, of and you field well, you for a professional photographer doesn't even right. matter apparently. And you can't. That's true. It doesn't doesn't matter anyway. But you can't light the whole room. 
You know, right. so you're, if you're trying to shoot the whole hall, you can't light the whole hall. Now you've got to do it with natural light. That's when 1.4 could work for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we'll see. I hope they keep making good, low-cost, you know, reasonable alternatives to expensive lenses for people getting into the industry or just hobbyists who don't want to spend their kids' college fund on a on a lens. That's more power to them as long as they make good stuff. And they're not spying on us for the Chinese government. That would be, that would be bad. Um, okay. In Sony news... Um, the Sony has stopped accepting orders on six of its cameras. Now, this is indicative of supply chain issues, etc., etc., etc. But these aren't cameras that it's stopping production on uh, permanently. These are cameras that it's just stopped accepting orders. So I think uh, that's that's kind of significant. So here are some of the four of the models where the orders have been paused and not canceled. These orders have been paused. The Sony A6600. The Sony ZV-E10, which is a relatively new camera, of the video-centric camera. The Sony Alpha 60, A6100 and the Sony Alpha A6400. And uh, they have discontinued the Sony Alpha A7 II. And this is, uh, that's an older camera. They have a couple newer ones now, so that's no, no big surprise. And the A6100. And so those have all been discontinued. Uh, those two have been discontinued, and the other four have been paused. So, um, you know, these supply chain problems continue to affect them, and this I think this is just getting rid of dead weight and moving resources around to maybe more profitable sectors. They're prestige cameras. Like, there are even, I was reading this morning, even that there were going to be issues getting the A7 IV, the brand new A7 IV, out to everybody who wants it in a timely fashion. They're even having trouble filling those orders, and that's only been out for a couple of weeks. So... Yeah, so Sony and probably everybody else plagued by supply chain issues, including my MacBook Pro that I ordered, which won't be here until February. Thanks, supply chain issues. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's really got to be frustrating. Really got to be frustrating. Well, yes. Well, it's not that. Like, I have computers. You know, I'm right. fine. But like, yeah. You... But once, you, but once you make the decision. To buy something, yes, some new toy, yes, you want it right now, yes, absolutely, yeah. But that's you know just that's part of adulting is you just got a de- delayed yeah. gratification. Um, My uh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, um, you we were talking about Narbox earlier. Yeah, I, this is my last story is Narbox, and if you have a Narbox, I don't have one, but if you know what Narbox is, uh, they were a Kickstarter campaign. They raised a half a million dollars on Kickstarter. Uh, and it was a portable storage device that used an app on your phone so you could access the device and you could edit, you could share, you could do all kinds of things. This is especially valued to people who shoot a lot of video. So like if you were a person who shot with a GoPro a lot, this is great. You shot with the GoPro, then you put it in the Narbox and then you could access it from your phone. You could work on your videos, blah, 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 upload them. And the same thing with, you know, images or whatever. They even viewing raw files, which is cool. Right. And they delivered, they delivered as promised they delivered everything they said that they were going to deliver but what's happening now is that they say it's been like two weeks and no one can get a hold of narbox they've gone zero dark 30 they've they've gone gone. completely dark that you they can't get a hold of customer service and reporters can't get a hold of anybody in the company to talk to and so they're they're worried now that narbox may just have completely shut down and they're gone away and what sucks about this is that the, the app that controls your narbox which you get off the apple store is no longer on the apple store so that's huge because not only will the app can you not get the app, but I think it may mean the app you already have doesn't work either. For certain functions of it, will stop working if it can't yeah, communicate so, with the mothership or whatever. Yeah, and you know we seem to see these stories too more and more and more, and it really it really makes me doubt more the 
smartness of using a Kickstarter. Yeah, campaign. I have. I, I have given my last penny that I will ever give to any kind of Kickstarter. I got burned on that fake one for the the, the cool, uh, you know, battery extender thing. Right, the battery you know, extender thing, or the you know the extra power battery. Like I, you know what? I'm done. That's it. Like I, it, and I've seen stories like this. There's so much fraud, and I'm sure that it's. Compared to the whole, it's a relatively small percentage. But like once the scammers get into a thing, it, I mean, Kickstarter was kind of a pure and wonderful idea to be able to crowdsource something. But once the scammers get into it and the reputation starts to get ruined, although I don't think this was a scam. I'm not saying that at all. Narbox not no. only delivered everything they said they were going to deliver, but they also came out with a 2.0 version. So they even made a second version of the product that was also good. So who knows? Maybe they just went on vacation maybe they um all joined a cult and committed ritual suicide that would be bad but you know it'd be a solid explanation the most interesting explanation you just reminded me of another thing i wanted to mention from this weekend about ritual suicide yes okay i uh i did something this weekend i um i switched back to my old way of carrying the camera no you didn't after all i did it went after all of that i i was like you know what i i need to really i need to do an event so let's go a whole event and put it right and put it back in the holster. Back, put it the back in the spider, in the spider holster, holster for the event. And so I've got it in the spider holster for the event and uh, you know, right back to the old pattern of slapping it in there. And I'm okay, maybe this is what I need to do. I need to be using the spider holster. And then I don't know, maybe three or four hours in, I'm like, oh, I gotta change my battery. And I reach up and I pop the battery door and the holster mount blocks it. Uh... And I realized Oh my God! If I had to do a quick battery switch You'd have at a hot something. moment, I would have been screwed because you have to get a you have to get a friggin' Allen wrench out in order to take that holster off, that right. mount off. Uh, so I did that. I took it off, pulled the battery out, put a new battery in. But then once I put the new battery in, I was like, I'm not putting this back on. I'm going to go ahead and put the strap back on and finish out with a strap and really get real time in one event, half with the holster, half with the strap. And I think I am going to stay with the strap. Yeah, it's important. Like, once you get your strap on, it's really hard to get used to Oh, that's just not necessary. Well, that was not necessary. I am not going to join you on that side of the line. You really need good support <laughs> for your unit. I mean, you're carrying a okay. big, you, you your do. lens has you girth do. to you it. Certainly have to have the support for your unit. Yeah. But it, um, but, uh, I mean, I'd like having it on, on the side, but nothing is a weird thing about doing that is, um, the noise. When you start using, like when I switched to the Fuji, it, the shutter is completely silent just about. Hmm. And you don't realize how much noise, like during the ceremony, how much noise it is when you, you're racking and unracking it into your side to change the lens. Every time you do it in a, in a quiet place. So that's another thing I don't like. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to stick with the strap for a while. Okay. All right. So there um, you go. Keep that there strap on. Okay. Um, so let's do this. Before we end the show, I'd love to go into a uh, a new segment uh, from the lounge. Okay. From the lounge. So all the all you drunk bombardiers the over lounge. in the lounge, in the Bombardiers Lounge on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash group slash Bombardiers Lounge. Um, Patty has an interesting question. Happy New Year. Just keep doing what you do. I would love to see some DIY stuff for situations that arise and you don't have that specific equipment. Or what can you do when your light trigger stops working? Things like that. I guess that would fall under the category of problem solving when things don't go as planned. Thanks for all you and Boo-Ray do. I think that's uh, that'd be an interesting suggestion for a topic. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, here's the first thing you do when your light trigger stops working 
is make sure that it's seated properly on top of your camera. Yeah. <laughs> because the only time I've ever had my light trigger stop working, it was because it was a little off. It right, wasn't yeah. completely slid in. So if you're ever yeah, if you're ever shooting and suddenly your off camera light starts popping full power on every shot and you can't figure out why, I guarantee you if you check your trigger, it slid back a little bit and as a result it's not communicating. Right. One of the one of the advantages of using a system that mixes studio strobes like mono lights with pocket strobes and speed lights like Godox slash Flashpoint, like um, uh, Westcott and like for Profoto, is that any of the speed lights, whether that be the A1 or the V1 or whichever one you have, right. can double as a trigger. So I've right. made a habit of not only do I have two triggers because the triggers for the Godox system are like $30. Not only do I have two triggers, but I have a the Flashpoint uh, or the Godox V1, the, the roundhead speed light, I always have that stuck in my camera case so that in case that goes down, I, can, I not only have a backup light, which will work in a pinch, but I also have a backup trigger with that. Right, which very is really versatile. Useful. Same thing with me. Yeah, I have yeah. two off-camera 8200s, and then I have two Godax strobes, and I have my trigger. So I have three triggers and four lights. Yeah, so that was... Uh, anyway, so w- you know what? We'll uh, keep an eye out for more ideas on stuff like that. Maybe that's something we could talk about a little more on our respective YouTube channels as well. Some DIY stuff is, is pretty cool. Although I find that um, as I longer I go in my career, DIY is like less important to me. I just buy the thing. Like I just finally bought a big V-flat from V-flat world, you know, because right. when they first came out with like the double-sided foldable ones, which is the one I needed, it was like 300 bucks or something. And two hundred right, bucks. I right. how and I, you thought I can make that Home yeah, Depot? I, here I come. Yeah, and so you know, I've 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 gone through so much foam core, <laughs> and <laughs> and finally, with the faced with the prospect of spending half a day building one, I just ordered one. And so right. <laughs> you know, so uh, but there are some some cool DIY Ooh, techs that we. You know what I used yesterday for the first time? I used the big uh, Peak Design Messenger bag. Oh right, yeah, the one that you bought. Uh, tell how, right. how it was, was it? on sale. Uh, I used it for, I had to, it was a shoot at the Botanical Gardens. My bride and groom from New Year's Eve came back for the Botanical Gardens. They wanted the Christmas lights. And I was like, okay, so I can wear my belt with all my lenses like I normally do. But then I realized I need, I need to carry a lot more stuff. I need to carry a, a softbox. I need to carry a, a non-softbox. I need to carry a grid. Um, I need to carry a lot of stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try just using this. Oh, it was great. It carried everything. I put my camera, my lenses, everything I needed was in it. Uh, and it it was comfortable and it never got like out of shape or weird. I never felt like something was going to fall out of it, hmm. you know. And then uh, I would take it. I would take it off and just hang it on the light stand to be weight on the light stand. Which meant then when I was shooting, I had no weight on me except my camera. This is you portrait photographers know this. The world you live in is that you get to do stuff like this, but us event photographers don't. So it was really wonderful that when I was shooting, I didn't have all this weight hanging off me that I normally have. I normally wear my belt, all my lenses. Right. No, because I I just kept them in the bag. But uh, I really, it's a wonderful bag if you're looking for a big bag. The uh, messenger bag from Peak Design. I was really happy with them. Okay, cool. That's a that's a nice plug, and they don't even sponsor the show. Um, no. They should. Just a, a little anecdote from a listener, Alan. Alan says, setting up for headshots with a husband and wife realtor team, offer to come out to them. We'll bring my gear backgrounds, etc. Ask where they want to meet if they do want to do environmental shots as well. They say they'll meet me at the mall and we can do shots in there and there'll be a white background there too, right? Suggested that the mall, I think this is written kind of in shorthand, suggested the mall might not have, quote unquote, might not have been the best lighting and that since it's minus 20 degrees Celsius and snowing outside, that might not be a great option. (laughs) 
<laughs> just got an email saying, we'll come to your studio, which sadly is a basement room with a bunch of my lights and crap crammed in. So that's something at least. Um, I just wanted to address this out there. Um, having a studio is very expensive um, overall, and you need to justify that with a, a particular volume of work. And in fact, I know photographers who have very successful businesses that still just have use a, a space in their home for a studio. I worked out of my garage for the first almost seven years I was in business. And so like you do what you got to do. And none of my clients ever complained. You know, though, I think that especially now, especially now people are used to folks working out of their homes and people being content creators and creatives. And, and, you know, so as long as the space is clean and it doesn't smell and they get the results that they want, their experience is mostly going to come from their interaction with you. And as you grow and if you decide to expand into a different kind of a space you know you can add those little details that make the experience nice the studio i had for six years was in an old cash for gold that was like windowless and kind of ugly and i worked (laughs) out of there for six years still getting great google reviews and stuff it's only in the last year that i've moved into a studio space where people come in and they actually go oh this is nice so that's after 15 years in the business so like right yeah i still work from home yeah i still work from home but i don't do a lot of studio work and that's why it's just not economical for me to have a studio But you have a really nice dedicated space camera camera room in your house too which is cool i do but it's also upstairs so you they gotta come walk. in my front door and then go upstairs and past my kids' bedrooms and et cetera, et cetera, which I've always, but I just, I have a little speech that I make to people when I'm bringing them up. I say, you know, nowadays, uh, the days of every photographer having a freestanding studio have just gone by and by that most people now, when they need headshots or family portraits, they want them to be done on location. So it's just uneconomical to pay all that money for a space, I'd have to charge my clients more money. And they always go, oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Like, they, oh, they totally get that. That Oh, yeah, you know, we, we don't get our pictures. And, and most of my clients now I'm shooting also work out of their homes. Yeah. Even the ones who work, are lawyers or work for banks and stuff. Like, so many more people are working from home. I don't think it's, I don't think it's an issue. Keep your space clean. Don't cook shrimp before they come over. <laughs> You'll probably yeah. be we, okay. when we were When we were buying this house, it was one house we wanted. We just couldn't. There were problems with it, so we couldn't get it. But there was this one house. It was a big L shape. And at one end of the L was a big room. She she was an artist, was a big room, and it had its own entrance and its own sidewalk to that entrance. And on the side of the house, there was parking. And I was and I would have, I was just like that was my dream. I would have had my you would have had its own little parking spot right there, and there's the door with my sign on it, and there's my studio, and you would never touch my house. And that would have that would have been my dream setup. But uh, we the house smelled like cat pee. What are you gonna do? Like yeah. Well, Bobby's it. like, Bobby's like, she got a lot of cats, and the whole house smells like cat pee, which means they peed in the house. They probably peed on the wall, and when that happens, now it's in the uh, it's in the wall, and you're never gonna get that smell. Yeah, out. it's uh, it just it, it, it. I tell you what, it, it if if your place is is clean and smells nice, and you're nice, you're gonna be fine. I'm just saying, if you've ever peed on a wall, and who among us hasn't, uh, it's hard to get the smell out. Yeah, uh, mostly exterior walls, though, is what I peed mostly. Yeah, you know. I'm an equal opportunity. One time my uh, younger brother was uh, so drunk and when he was drunk and went to sleep, he would sleepwalk and he peed in the laundry basket. <laughs> he just opens the closet and he's just standing there peeing into the laundry basket. <laughs> good times. <laughs> he's a, he's an attorney now. Yeah, yeah that's good to know. <laughs> Photobomb is written and produced by Bure Perry and Gary Hughes. You can find us online. Go to facebook.com slash groups slash Bombardier's Lounge. Bombardier's. And you can find our website at photobombpodcast.com. Gary's website is hughesfioretti.com. My website is bureperry.com. And uh, you can email us questions at photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you back here next week. See you later. (laughs) 